Welcome, one and all, to episode number 84 of the DC Comics News Podcast, uh, where we talk everything DC, uh, movie, TV, streaming, comics, and anything else that may pop up. I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and with me today is the amazing Kelly Gaines. Hey, Brad. Hello. And the wonderful Seth Singleton. I love it when you call me wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So uh, before we we dive into the news, we did want to um, we we are recording this on on Saturday, the 20th, the 29th. And we just heard uh, yesterday evening that uh, Chadwick Bosman had passed away and that comes to kind of a blow to everybody who's interested in this culture, DC Marvel or not. He was, he was a shining light and he brought so much light to the character of Black Panther and, and Jackie Robinson and all the other, and, and Thurgood Marshall and all the other characters that he managed to play. So it was, uh, it was such, such a loss. And uh, we, you know, our, our, our thoughts go out to his friends and family, and we know that uh, fans all over the world are are grieving today. But uh, uh, you you always be remembered. So so with that, uh, we will uh, jump into news uh, now. Of course, everybody who is a DC fan knows about fandom, and we got some word about just how many people tuned in to watch and uh, t- and to uh, you know tune in and, and get some news from DC. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? You know, it doesn't shock me that the viewership was as high as it was, um, just because fandom was a really fun day, and I definitely didn't expect it to be. Uh, I mean, you, you guys heard my kind of stipulations about the fact that some of the panels were going to be five minutes or 15 minutes, and everything sounded short and rushed and it got broken up at the last second and I was really really convinced that it was going to be boring but it was a great time and I I think I even managed to get a couple of my friends and and my boyfriend and my brothers to tune in and watch it because it just there was that much content there was that much going on and the things that were announced were really really fun uh yeah it, it was a great time so it doesn't shock me at all and if anything this proves that we can have engaging online conventions that don't sort of feel like I'm hopping between TVs and I don't know what's going on. I I had a great time. Seth? We can look forward to that, right? <laughs> I loved your ending there, Kelly. That was awesome. Uh, I, I do think uh, we've raised the standard here, and it's really impressive that DC did this on its own platform. It's not like they came to Comic-Con and did it. This was their own. This is a a huge moment for DC Comics and what it can do for upcoming fandom events, how often they can be. Um, professional wrestling, like WWE stuff, figured out a goldmine when they realized that they could have a SummerSlam and a whole series of others, big events along the way for their pay-per-view audience to keep the revenue going. Well, for DC, hopefully they don't go into charging, but there can be a lot of ways that they can make this a regular event, an annual, maybe even um, biannual or special event based structure. And from what we've seen so far, aside from having to split it up and make some last minute adjustments to 
sort of accommodate for the fact that fans have lives that 24 hours of straight streaming was actually like painful to consider for a lot of folks and that's why they've broken it up into over you know unfortunately a larger chunk of time but thankfully also over multiple days they'll iron out the kinks and we're really going to get something but you know kelly i also agree that there were a lot of things that i could grab my wife and say hey check it out they're showing the batman trailer no one's done this yet they're showing trailers for suicide squad and other things that you won't see anywhere else and it's going to take a little while for it to get on youtube and such it was a huge thing to be able to share in the moments where i knew i could sort of get someone involved the way i i know they might be excited similar to me otherwise the other stuff was just pure fan nerd you know frenzy like you know geeking out over the multiverse with brad or hearing all the great stuff that you guys were doing you were live streaming with josh there were there's plenty of reasons for this to be high what I want to see is what what we can see in the next one, because I really think the numbers can jump. I love telling my sister about it and being like, hey, tell the kids, check it out. There's a link for kids. It's going to be awesome. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I think the thing, you know, I was I watched the whole thing. So I, I, I really barely moved from from my computer screen. You're like a soldier, by the way. <laughs> eight hours, man. I was just, I was I couldn't you know, but I couldn't help it. I was I was you know kind of glued to the footage and I, I kept having like on my ipad i would look at the upcoming schedule you know to see oh what's coming next what's coming next and you know when we when we we, we did the live stream uh before and i i said well maybe these five minute panels will somehow make sense and i, I they did because it, it, it helped to break up just enough and entertain in different ways just enough to not get bored and to keep the pace going to the next thing. And it just it all it all worked. And it, it felt the most con like of all the virtual cons. Um, the whole presentation was so professional and they got so many big names involved and there was so much thought and care into even with a project like black adam or shazam which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit um they were able to give us what they could in really creative ways and it was it was eight hours of fun you know like kelly said i i was i wasn't bored uh i just i just wanted to i just wanted it to keep going and you know as soon as soon as it ended um we got off the live stream I posted some of the trailers and instant on my Facebook page and instantly my notifications started blowing up. People, I mean, that Batman trailer was like fire to the internet. You talk about breaking the internet that that trailer did. I mean, it was all people were talking about for the rest of the night. So they really did a great job of getting, you know, of marketing it and, and knowing what to release and how to release it. Uh, it, it, it it does make a difference when they can control it, like you know, Seth, like you were saying, that they had control of what they showed and when and how they did it. And this is, I have a feeling that this is going to be something that other companies are going to make take note of, um, and and do things that are similar. I I just I'm torn because I hope that it doesn't um, take away from the big events the big cons when they do come back um as far as people as far as certain companies necessarily not wanting to go to like san diego or new york because they're going to have their own thing 
So I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I kind of hope that DC does this every year. So I'm kind of like in the middle. I kind of want both. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to have to choose. I want big panels physically right when I'm there at New York Comic Con, or if I ever make it to San Diego. Or and I love these these online events if they're done well. And this was this was really done great. So yeah, um, you know, congratulations to DC because they. I think they kind of needed. Uh, a boost because there was some, you know, certainly some bad news coming out the week before, but this really, uh, this really helped. And, and Seth, I also agree that I'm anxious to see what happens in the next, the next, um, chapter or whatever you want to call it, part two of fandom coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, and it should be just as fun. So, so, uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was. But a I love you for that, man. You perfectly described the fan dilemma, which is you want this to keep happening, but you also don't want it to affect the others. It's like you just want to add it to the buffet. Yeah, I'm greedy. I so can't like, help it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have to, you know, I had to think about that for a minute. Like, wow, that can do that. And then the other part of me is like, but maybe like movies and other things, it's going to be one of those adaptations that occurs because we can't have. Uh, you know, 10,000, uh, however many thousand people gathered in one general area milling, you know, for the fear, near future, at least. And maybe this is one of those ways where we can sort of break things up between. So Comic-Con doesn't have to be three days, 24 hours or fandom. You know what I mean? It'll be interesting to see how they sort of break it up. But I loved how you put the dilemma like I want this, but I want to keep everything else too. Yeah. fix it. <laughs> That was kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, we're going to jump into some movie news here. Uh, speaking of uh, the Batman, uh, Jeffrey Wright uh, did an interview with Sirius where he uh, talked about uh, talked about the Batman. So, Kelly, what do you think of this story? This is really cool. I, um, I, I like how enthusiastic he seems to be about it and the fact that he was sold on the script um, pretty much right away. And I know we've been talking about the fact that this is supposedly going to be a more noir detective sort of film, um, which has been exciting to me. But to hear an actor say that it's very true to those roots of the character, um, I think, makes it even more exciting. Um, And on top of that, I am really, really interested to see more of uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin, because I don't know how you could possibly not recognize Colin Farrell. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a very distinctive looking person. Um, and yeah, I, I am really excited to see that. But it's it, the trailer itself was amazing. Like you guys were saying, it was something that everybody saw within the first 24 hours. I mean, it, it's one of those things that broke the Internet. And I think that kind of put to rest all of my uh, harping on this movie. I, I don't think I'll be... Uh, as pessimistic as I've been in the past about what's going on here, because it looked amazing. The the cast looks excited. Um, and th- this is just a really fun interview. Seth, what do you think? It was, a, I mean, man, that was an amazing trailer. I, I'm going to go ahead and just give her a little bit of trouble because she's been on podcasts with us now at least once. And that's Shayna Lucas is still kind of ragging on it. She compared Pattinson to... Uh, 
Tobey Maguire in the third Spider-Man movie when he gets the black suit and goes a little bit dark and his persona <laughs> is like dressed in all black with kind of the shadows in the eyes. And all I could think of was Shayna, I-, I love you, man. You DC comics news, but dude, if you ever bring that on the podcast, it's, it's going to get wild. So just heads up because I, I dig the kid. I-, I think Pattinson's got it. I, what I love about him is he looks so young. With Christian Bale, I kind of had to stretch it in my head. With Michael Keaton, there was no worry because there's no young or old. You get him in one time frame, and that's great. But this is a Batman we want to see future movies from, and this is a Batman who's supposed to be in his year two. I believe it. The moment I saw how young he was, I was like, and you know what the best part is? You'd never suspect that's the kid out there in the bat suit smacking everybody around. Like he doesn't, he's so young, he's so fresh, there's so much potential ahead and and all the the concerns laid to rest definitely for me i i I love to hear that it's for you as well kelly i think we're not alone which is kind of an awesome feeling i kind of feel like there's a group consensus with us on that and that overall there's this man amazement plus this whole interview digs up the fact that this is an actor who's been through the script who feels that there's a uh, a recognition going on. And also there's someone who has uh, looked at this idea and the trailer and said, by the way, you guys got to see that with the CGI we're supposed to have. And that just makes my brain sort of tickle like, oh, OK, <laughs> you can only imagine what elements could be enhanced through CGI, whether it's the car, whether it's elements of the fight scene, whether it's other components of the fight scenes that that maybe were edited out because for a lot of people just getting to see Pattinson embrace that sort of brutality side, but yet also be locked into this mystery and be part of this sort of like really nice homage to a few other horror haunted sort of nasty takes and, and a Riddler, but Jeffrey Wright really revealed a lot of great stuff here. And I love the fact that he's like, but then again, it's it's detective comics, like get to the heart of it. And that's what you should be getting. Brad, how about you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly, you're blowing up my spot <laughs> because I, when we were watching the live stream, <laughs> it's so funny because, you know, we saw the trailer for the first time and we kind of gave our reactions. And, and one of my reaction was, it's like, I, it's very cool that we got to see all the characters, but we didn't see the penguin. And I realized the <laughs> future, like future viewings, that that was him. I totally didn't recognize Colin <laughs> at all. I'm like, oh man, that sounded stupid. But like, in my defense, it was only the first time seeing it, and it was only going back that I realized, oh, okay. Now, to be um, fair, it took me a minute too. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're okay, Brad. You're okay. You're among you're among family. All right, you're safe. this is a safe place. <laughs> But uh, one thing I, I – there's two things that popped out to me uh, about this interview. Um, one is that I've always admired Jeffrey Wright not only for his talent as an actor but for the projects that he decides to do. And the fact that this script was good enough for him, of all people, to say, okay, I, I want to be involved makes me really – really excited for it not only that but then he praised the script in this interview i think that is an amazing sign and i think this is it's just going to blow everyone away and as far as pattinson goes i i have faith he's going to this if 
if this movie's as good as the trailer makes it out to be, is it'll change his career forever and it'll change people's perception of him forever. He won't be the Twilight Kid anymore. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying there's a possibility. <laughs> and the the second thing was that he, in this interview, he mentions that they had just finished filming some of the scenes that were in the trailer like the day before they had to go on lockdown. And that's really, really cool because that means they're getting a lot done at, even as they have been locked down, maybe as far as editing because I, there seemed to be a lot of the story in this trailer. Not that it gave the, the, the story away, but there's a lot of like important pieces that you can see. It's like, you know, the, the, the story has started to take, to take shape uh, in, in what they've already filmed. So hopefully maybe that means that when they do get back, they don't have a whole lot more to do. So I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. So that was... That was uh, that was my takeaway. And moving uh, along into our movie news, uh, still into the Batman here, there is uh, a rumor that there will be more than one Batsuit in this movie. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I think that makes sense. Um, if this movie is the second year that he's Batman. So it, it makes sense that we might see a sort of costume shift or might see kind of a throwback to something that he had worn before the current suit. And I know when we first saw the suit, um, a lot of us kind of had some misgivings about it because it looked a little bit clunky and strange. But after seeing um, that that entire panel at Fandom, the fact that it was a suit designed so that Robert Pattinson can move and that he was part of the designing process for it. It makes it feel a lot more realistic because when you think about it, Batman isn't exactly out there to be a, uh, a style icon. It's more of functionality. So I think the fact that we've had these really sleek, clean looking uh, Batman costumes in past movies is, is really cool and it looks fantastic. Um, but if this one's more tactically inspired, that is kind of an, a fun element to it. But it, it doesn't shock me that we might see more than one costume in the film. I think that's probably a par for the course at this point. What do you think, Seth? I would imagine the same. It really stands to reason that he's building these bat suits each time. And each time it's based on what didn't work. I mean, if something got it destroyed last time, well, you build it differently. <laughs> if you expose weaknesses, you modify it because you don't want those weaknesses. And and I also think that sometimes there's a difference between what looks good on screen and what actually functions in the real world. And so, yeah, Kelly, I also agree that there's going to be a lot of understanding how the real world side of whatever functions we get to see from that suit come into how it actually looks, because I'll let Felicky fashions weigh in on all the design <laughs> and aesthetics. Thank you. Um, <laughs> because, you know, there's an authority and I defer to the authority in the end, but uh, don't worry, Brad, I hear you ready to jump in, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, but there's also the functionality and sometimes functionality doesn't look quite as cool because it's not yet designed to be streamlined. It's designed to work. And, you know, you look at some of the earliest cars, there are some pretty boxy looking things. Those were some flimsy tires and some things where you're like, we put that on the road. We let people drive in that over 40 miles per hour. Are you kidding me? 
And yet, through time, we learned, we adapted, we improved. And I think that's going to be a cool thing to see with the Batsuit. Plus, I, I love the idea that you can go in a lot of different story directions with this. It could be an old suit that's not quite as protective, but it works. It could be a suit that's in the process, so it's gray as described with the black gloves because you didn't get a chance to paint it all black like the last one. Um, what is the symbol of that suit having the broken gut in it? And what does it mean if it's no longer there? Or if it's the, you know, which suit's the final suit? Which is the, <laughs> you can have a lot of fun, you know, sort of thinking about how this can go. And that's always the great part about the idea of more than one suit, how it arrives, what it means. You look at the Batman comics right now, They've already previewed a suit that's supposed to make this like huge impact when issue number 100 hits. I, I love the fact that the movie is doing the same thing. How about you, Brad? Yeah, I think, like Kelly said, I think it, it is going to part, you know, I, I think it does make sense story-wise that if he's still kind of finding his footing, uh, you know, he's going to find out what works and what doesn't, what's more mobile and what's, you know, so I, I, it perfect makes perfect sense that it would be, more than one costume and yet Seth as far as the flicky fashions go I, I'm still not sold on the ears of the costume that we've seen revealed so the authority has spoken <laughs> I, I I haven't Most gotten used to them quite yet but uh the trailer did help um so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of like an end of the movie reveal of the new suit and that's kind of the suit that we'll see going forward and more kind of um you know uh, less you know they say less bulky so so we'll see but yeah i would not be i would not be surprised if there's more than one uh one suit in the in the movie that seems to make uh perfect sense and moving on kind of batman related well at least batman the character related uh, we got news that there is going to be some uh new uh, dc animated movies released next year and one of those is batman the long halloween uh kelly what do you think of this I love the Batman The Long Halloween story. Um, and I do know when they first announced Matt Reeves' Batman, they said they were kind of going off that vibe. And I, I guess in a sense it still is. But this will be really fun to see animated. And actually just yesterday, my boyfriend and I watched a handful of uh, DC animated movies, some better than others. Um, I mean, he, I, I definitely had more issues with Gotham by Gaslight than he did. But in any case, these movies are really fun, and DC does have a good track record for making animated movies that are true to the comic books, that are fun, um, that are really well done. So I'm excited to see it, um, and I, I'm interested to see, one, does it go on DC Universe, or are we going right to HBO Max, and how close is it when we finally do see the Batman? How close can we actually draw those parallels but either way i i think this is a really great story to add to their full animated canon what do you think seth i think it's a really smart move i mean i'm already excited for the fact that you know dc and uh editor-in-chief josh rayner recently shared that he had gotten the blu-ray version of superman for tomorrow man of tomorrow and i'm like well just get it streaming for me already. That's why I pay for these things. And Kelly, yeah, I don't know where it's going to end up. I mean, I'd like to see it part of original animation showing up on DC Universe first. And then, you know, moving it over to HBO Max if they're going to. But I get it. Um, they've already made their decisions. I'm sort of like, after the fact, like, hey, what'd you do? And they're like, this happened. Deal with it. <laughs> okay. 
but uh, I, I I love the idea of the the content they're they're going after. And man, there's some other great looking projects along the way. Um, you know, Soul of the Dragon we can look forward to, Justice Society World War Two. Uh, there's a huge list of great things. I mean, the Justice Society one. I'm I'm such a huge Justice Society like fan. Uh, I love the original Jake Garrick. You've heard me go on ad infinitum uh, regarding Mr. <laughs> Alan Scott and quite a few others. Like those are the classiest, coolest. Uh, yeah. So, but Long Halloween, it's it's got the potential to actually, if they do it right, be a really long movie. <laughs> you know, like a really well played out. I hope they don't have to short it just for the the you know convenience of time and. To be honest, I, I keep in mind the fact that Dark Knight Returns was actually a two-parter. And I have to wonder if that's not an option that some of these movies could consider. Because some of the content they're talking about, these are not short books. These are not short stories. And, you know, there's, there's an understanding when it comes to the cutting room floor. And then there's times where you just say, screw it, and you turn The Hobbit into three movies. So, you know, I, I think there's some potential for them to go a lot of different ways with it, but I'm excited to hear this is one of the stories we'll get to see. And the rest just, you know, I mean, you give me reasons to keep streaming your stuff, guys. I'll probably keep both subscriptions if you do it this way. I don't care. I'm a sucker. Like, go ahead. Put the stamp on my forehead. I'm fine with it. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I I kind of hope that if they're going to do it, they do it right. And if that means take me putting it in two parts and i'm fine with that I'm, I'm willing to wait and have a complete good long halloween story than criminal trying to cram it all into one if they can't do it so yeah I, i'd be down for a part two if we had to do it that way um and i you know man this is this is a great time great time to be a justice society fan there's so much good justice society stuff going on so yeah i think this will be uh the idea of it being in world war ii should be a very very cool story so I'm, I'm really looking forward to to those two and and overall uh the the dc animated movies have all been really really good and, and well received so i don't think see there to be any reason to think that these would be different so yeah i think i think that these uh these will be good and i hope too that dc universe is around in some capacity to be able to uh to be able to stream it so i guess i guess we will see and moving on to a couple of uh, Shazam stories uh, during fandom. And Seth, this is something that we really didn't get a chance to touch on when we were doing our follow-up last week. Uh, but the Shazam sequel has gotten a title and a poster. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I was waiting for something to happen during this panel on um, during fandom because it... I mean, they, they were kind of joking around about how they couldn't tell us anything. And I was like, well, is this really just going to be one long joke and the kid's going to draw a picture? And then the picture ended up being the poster. And it was like, all right, that's the whole poster. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do love this title. Fury of the Gods sounds very interesting. I have no idea what it could be referring to. Because um, my initial thought was like, huh, maybe this will have something to do with new gods. But that's very unlikely. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what your theories are there, because I, I I don't yet have a horse in this race. Seth, what about you? 
Okay, so this is one of those fun things where I let the imagination just go wild and have a blast. And um, I feel like there's going to be something that happens in Black Adam. I don't know what it could be, but in in some part, Shazam has to, you know, sort of side with Black Adam on the way he was treated. Uh, because if depending on how you're looking at some of the stuff that happened, he, you know, sort of had his power stripped away. And in some versions of that story, it was unjustly done. So can you imagine if if there's a moment where Shazam goes, you know what? I got to stop what you're doing with this, but I understand what you need to do here and I'm willing to help. And then how the gods are just like, oh, yeah, (laughs) well, allow us to say something about that. If not, then the other one that I just love the idea of is this is a new superhero and new superheroes make mistakes. And he happens to deal with like deadly sins and all sorts of other. So what if he just oopsies and we get a bunch of gods really mad um final one is what if he goes into a museum and just makes every other set of deities so angry at him that all the other (laughs) gods hate you know what i mean like he crashes into like a statue of thought he he comes over here and he knocks over something from like the norse mythology he does (laughs) and by the time it's done they're all like Shazam must die. Um, but wh- where they end up going with it is is anybody's guess. But boy, Kelly, as soon as you said, I wonder where they could go. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I was like, wow. And now my brain's spinning like one of those centrifuge rides at the carnival park, you know, and everybody's stuck against the wall. And I'm just like throwing ideas. Splat, splat, splat. This is fun. Uh, Brad, how about you? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that whatever it's going to be, it is going to have kind of a light hearted feel, obviously. So Seth, you might be on to something with that whole museum thing. Um, but I, I, I really like the way. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the way how they revealed it because I, 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 you know, like Kelly, I was, I was the same thing. I was like, this is going to just be one joke about how he can't say anything like what's going on. <laughs> and that reveal at the end was, and it's like, okay. The, the, and that, and this goes back to what I was saying about the timing of things. This didn't, they, th- that panel didn't feel like it dragged out. Yeah, I mean, it felt just long enough to have the reveal of the trailer and that Sinbad was going to be in it. Um, so, so yeah. Um, I, I don't really think I have any concrete theories about what the story is going to be just because it's so early kind of in the production that it's just, you know, I, I don't even know. Um, uh, I feel like when I when I do that, when I try to make predictions, they all come out way wrong. So I so, said, well, let's just see when I know a little more. But um, but yeah, I, I it is something that I'm um, looking forward to. And moving on to Wonder Woman uh, 1984 news, uh, there have been a few rumors that have been uh, confirmed. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of the story? Got everything about Wonder Woman 1984 makes me so happy. Um, I that that was, I think, my favorite panel for the entirety of fandom. And again, this is a cast that is just so, so enthusiastic. Um, and yeah, I the, the biggest question that I've had is what's going on with Steve Trevor coming back? Um, 
you know, is like, what, what, what is the deal with him? Is he really alive? Is he not alive? And I feel like these, the, the way they've addressed this rumor is giving us an answer, but it's not giving us an answer. Um, you know, because they talk about Steve sort of being a, a fish out of water where he's in a different time that's not like his and he needs Diana to guide him through, which is ironic considering that in the first movie, it's her coming to a world that she hasn't seen before and him kind of having to explain things. So it sort of flips the uh, flips the script there. But I, I still have a lot of questions and I, I'm fine with waiting for the movie for them to be answered. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love these answers. I love what they're doing, but it didn't answer any of my still outstanding questions. What about you, Seth? No, outstanding questions, certainly not answered in any way, addressed perfectly or even like giving me a sense of like, oh, I know what's going to happen. But actually, while we were while I was listening to your ideas and just sort of like, huh, I wonder back to the Steve Trevor question. Uh, and I keep going back to the fact that when I look at the trailer, the most recent one, not only does it show the games, but it makes a big point of Maxwell Lord addressing everyone and saying you can have whatever you want. Now, how that happens, but I thought it would be an interesting twist if somebody else asked for Steve Trevor to come back. A family member, uh, daughter, uh, you know what I mean? Some sort of extra twist on it where they're the reason he's back, not Diana. And then that creates even more conflict because he's a benefit that she gets to enjoy. And yet at the same time, um, she has almost no control over how long he'll be there or that he'll go and she stops whoever's doing this. Other than that, it's still just a gigantic mystery to me. And that was just my imagination. Like, woo, here's one for you. Um, and it was a lot of fun to think about, which I think they keep that going because they they give you all these great ideas about how, you know, she's in a place where she's processed a lot of the things that have led her to her current time, whether it's choosing to be less engaged with the world, whether it's about acceptance or loneliness or um, you know, processing lost, what it's meant to have all this time since Steve and eventually the rest of her group are gone, what it means to have this history from Themyscira and also to eventually, Kelly, as you pointed out, now be the, hey, Steve, this is how it works because this is how you showed me moment and, and reversing that all great stuff that we can look forward to. And honestly, I think those will end up being some of the most treasured moments the plot will will find out, but it's going to be the heart and the, you know, tender moments between those two, which are going to be some of the most timeless aspects of the movie. And they did a great job in the first one. It's lovely that they're going back to it now. I'm intrigued to see how they either keep this stretching out, create a closure or show us why it's important to have Diana face this challenge and what it means for her once she figures out what the challenge she needs to overcome is and, and how she does it. Cause this is a woman who can lasso lightning. Like I, I have a lot of faith and I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. Brad, how about you? Yeah, that seems to be the biggest mystery is exactly how and why Steve is back. And um, then they are just being tight lipped, not clues really that much or anything. So I just hope that that's not 
a weak point in the film. I hope whatever whatever reason we've kept it secret, I hope it's worth the secret, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and Steve, that could be a good thing about you know the the somebody wishing him back. That would that would create kind of you know interesting um, conflict. But all in all, the, with these mysteries still there, this movie does still look still look amazing. So, and I just wish you know it's had it not been for COVID, we would have known this already a little while ago. So. That's kind of a bummer because it would have been out, and here we are, still waiting. Um, but you know, it's looking like it's going to be worth the wait. So careful, lad. Don't call me Steve. He might get on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, man, somewhere that boy's <laughs> yeah. so much. He's going to be like, I'm not there. That's not me. Uh, so just you know careful now that's uh, careful now yeah. <laughs> i'm fine with it i'm gonna laugh when he hears this and he's gonna be like wait 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 <laughs> sometimes my mind moves faster than my mouth <laughs> or, or the other way around i don't know what it means. you're, you're lucky to me my mouth moves way too fast for my brain my thoughts are too slow <laughs> uh and um moving on uh to our next story involving the Suicide Squad. Uh, some internet sleuths have come up with the theory and the picture that reveals who could be the big villain in the movie. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Well, the picture to me kind of feels like a little bit of a stretch because I didn't look at it and immediately think, Starro, there it is. Like that, I don't know. I mean, it would be a really fun villain to see. Um, and somehow I just get the sense that that's right up James Gunn's alley because it's just a bizarre sort of, I don't know, kitschy villain <laughs> Starro. Uh, definitely threatening, definitely not something I would want to deal with. But in, in the grand scheme of villains, it seems a little bit less threatening in a sense. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't mind the suicide squad going up against it i just i don't know if that's what i got out of that picture it seems kind of like a blob of purple to me but what whatever seth what about you i'm still trying to see it i keep squinting i've been turning my head a little bit like that one detective guy from one of those um you know i can't remember which detective it was like law and order svu but he would always interrogate a, a you know um a witness or a suspect and he'd like keep tilting his head more and more and more. So I keep trying to do that looking like, okay, is that no, am I okay? No. And I, I can't confirm this theory. I don't even know that the people suggesting it can fully confirm confirm it, but they believe it. And that's a pretty good thing. And Starro, I can see a lot of fun for this cast, James Gunn and what it could mean for the story, because Starro is, is, as you said, menacing, dangerous, could be kitschy, could be cartoony, but also could really provide this like messed up moment where all of these hardened villains have sort of like developed a camaraderie and then they're forced to fight each other because so many are taking control. Because the one thing we've been promised about this movie is don't expect a lot of people to get out alive. There's going to be a high body count. A lot of these stars don't make it to the end. And how we can do that, other than a long, drawn-out series of 
attacks or, you know, some huge giant fight would be that emotional twist where you start to care about some of these characters, but you have to watch them fight each other and Starro is a perfect way to make it happen. And it, it gives an added benefit of not being like a a villain who's, you know, just known for being uh, a telepath and you've got that. Now you've got this added thing of this alien entity that could do so much more depending on how they do the story. It's a great concept. I just don't see it yet. I get that. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's time I need glasses finally. I don't know. Brad, help me out. You see it? Do I need to, I, is it like one of those 3D pictures? I need to squint it a certain way or no, let my eyes get really lazy? <laughs> I, I see it. I see it. Um, I, I'm surprised I was the only one. Uh, maybe it's my own kind of wish fulfillment, wanting wish fulfillment on this, because I think Starro would make the perfect villain for this movie. Kelly, like you were saying, the perfect kind of James Gunn villain, I think he'd be perfect. So I kind of do hope it is Starro. Uh, but in the article, it says that in the picture, uh, that it's attached to someone's face. And that made me look at that picture again, and then I saw the, uh, an, an ear. And when I saw the ear, and I realized, oh, yeah, that kind of does look like a Starro thing. I, I mean, a bit you're of a right. stretch, but I, I could see no, it. But once I saw that it was right, a head, Brad. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was trying to look at the video trailer again, and the picture hadn't loaded on my screen the right way. And I'm looking at it now, and I can see exactly what you're talking about. It's like between the person's body and their hand, right? Yeah. And it's like a torso waist shot, but you can see a head behind it with the yeah. uh, purple with the pink. his face. Yeah. Yeah, and it's around the ear. My goodness, yeah. you, are, you are okay. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm yeah. bought. Yeah. Do you see it? If if you look at that picture, do you see now what we're talking about? Where it's like the picture, and you can see there's just like between. It's like basically somebody's arm. Yeah. Near, I mean, I'm looking it, at it, and I I I guess I see it, but I don't know. <laughs> I sure. <laughs> you don't got it. I'm just curious. I need a magnifying know. glass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, but but the bottom line is we can all agree that Starro would make the perfect villain for this movie. So, so good. Uh, it's 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 time that Starro had his due in the live action DC world. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, and that wraps up our movie news. Uh, we have one bit of TV streaming news. Uh, we got uh, a little news on Titan season three. Uh, we will see. Uh, the Red Hood, uh, Barbara Gordon, and Scarecrow. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I'm really excited to see Barbara Gordon. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm excited to see what role she takes on in this universe. As far as Red Hood, that doesn't shock me either. He was going to pop up eventually. Um, and I, I like that description of him as, you know, the child who's not embraced by the village will burn the village down because that is, that is, uh, I mean, that's Jason Todd to a T. That is just him. And yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't a ton to go off of for predicting season three, but from Barbara Gordon to sort of the tone that they seem to be trying to, trying to strike, I'm excited. I still have to finish season two. I will say that. So there's probably a little bit that I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, this looks like a lot of fun. And so far, all of the characters that they've brought to the screen, I've I've liked. I haven't had any issues with them. So I'm really hoping that Barbara Gordon's still, you know, still Barb. What do you think, Seth? I'm really intrigued. 
because I was looking through this article and the one thing that catches me the most is when they say, quote, Commissioner Barbara Gordon, which really makes me think, oh, so what is the timeline here? Has she, you know, what what is it that's progressed in her timeline to bring her to the point that she's Commissioner Barbara Gordon? Um, I want to see what we can maybe get from her as far as a tone of being maybe the former Batgirl who's now on, you know, working mostly in her police role, but has some sort of guidance to provide for um, Dick, for uh, the rest of the Titans. So that that could be a really interesting portrayal of her that if I'm reading this correctly, there's never a guarantee, folks. Sometimes my blood sugar gets low in these moments and I, I have no excuse for myself, really. But Stuff like that catches my interest. I'm also intrigued with the idea that they're driving Jason Todd to become the Red Hood uh, for reasons other than being killed by the Joker and then being exposed to a Lazarus pit and instead having it be this, like, you know, response to clashing with Grayson and maybe wanting to emulate him by getting a new costume, too, and and leaving Robin behind for eventually, uh, you know, other famous robins to take up the mantle this could be some interesting stuff and then the scarecrow part i'm curious about as well i i want to see how they portray this villain so there's some fun stuff that you know i'd heard a little bit about it but getting a chance to talk about it more with you guys is always a fun time brad what are your thoughts uh yeah it's interesting i'm i'm also really uh excited of the idea that we're going to get to see barbara gordon uh, and as a commissioner, um, she seems to be the perfect uh, kind of character to bring in to Titans when you have when you're dealing with a lot of, you know, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd. So having her on board uh, is, is something I'm looking forward to. And, yeah, I think that the the Jason Todd, not only that we've seen in the comics, but that we've seen specifically in the show, I think it would make sense that um, he would want to go and. Uh, stop being Robin at some point and come up with his own identity. Uh, season two was kind of kind of rough on him, so that's that seems to be a logical next course for the character. So that that transformation uh, will be interesting to see. And Scarecrow, yeah, I think Scarecrow could be a cool character. I, I wonder uh, if it would be a situation where he would be the big bad of the season. Uh, how they would how they would do that. Um, you know, it's just, it, again, like Shazam, this is so far in the future at this point, they haven't really started production on it yet. So it's kind of hard to say, but it'll be fun to watch news come out about this season. Because, I mean, if you, if you remember back before season two came out, that was uh, another situation where it was like a new Titan story or a new cast character coming out or a cast member being, uh, revealed. So hopefully we'll see, we'll see more of that as this production, you know, gets closer. And that wraps up our TV streaming news. So we're going to take a quick break and pay some bills. Uh, So stay tuned and we'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. 
The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And welcome back to episode 84 of the DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, I'm Brad Flicky, your host, and with me is Kelly Gaines and Seth Singleton. Now, we've talked movie and TV streaming news, and we talked a little bit about fandom, and now we're moving on to uh, to comic news. Uh, first up, uh, DC has announced a new Batman miniseries uh, with written by John Ridley uh, and art by Nick Darrington. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? This looks awesome. Um, yeah, I and if if this picture is a sample of the art, then it's gorgeous as well. Um, I I like the fact that they're doing a miniseries that's going to have a Batman of color. That's really cool. Um, I I think my bet would probably be on Luke Fox um 
on the grounds that he's already established, he's already been part of Batman's world and, and worked with Batman. Um, so that definitely wouldn't shock me, although I'm really interested to see what it is that brings about this change, kind of. Like, does, does something happen to Batman where someone else steps in? Are we in an alternate universe? Um, either way, I'm really excited to see what they do with this. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I, I can't think of anyone it would be besides Luke Fox, but I, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. Seth? Yeah, I'm going to follow you on that one, Kelly, just by saying that, you know, from the article, they make a big point that it's going to focus on the family of Lucius Fox. So it feels like <laughs> it would be Luke Fox. Like, that's that's all I have left to go. And I'm like, I don't know. It kind of says this. It, it seems to everyone's feeling like so there shouldn't be a huge surprise on that but i love the announcement the title brad this is one of those ones we did that quick follow-up on the fandom and we just there were so many stories to cover this was one we didn't get a chance to really spend uh, a lot of time if any time if i remember so it, i love the fact that we get a chance to talk about it now kelly my favorite thought about this series is what led to luke taking on the cow and i think that's going to be a really fun thing to enjoy i totally agree with you if this is the art Boy, what a great preview to set us up for, because it feels like it's a it's going to be a really immersive universe. And when it takes place, also an interesting idea. Um, I'm curious, although when I was looking at the art, part of me almost felt like, are those PlayStation controls? Because uh, there's like a triangle uh, like and a square that, and a I, circle. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So I was like, is this just supposed to be footage from a game or is that supposed to be a clue or I don't know what. So from that point, I'm all over the place. But I love that this story and then also the other side of DC history, which is going to become, you know, another project they're working on. I love the idea of showing these moments because I think one of the best things that we've seen some creators do is to take something we think we know really well and just move the camera enough. Like Brad, like you just did with that whole Starro thing, you know, look right there at that moment between here and then let's tell you a story about that. And that's what they can really do so well with this Batman story. Um, and I, I love what this potential could present because there could have been some great things to come out of 5G, which we're not going to get. But that doesn't mean we still can't take those ideas and use them and Hopefully this is a, a great way to see a, a new future for Batman. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I, I yeah, I thought they looked like PlayStation buttons as well. And not okay, only that, so I'm not alone. No, and not only that, but even the, the artwork of the way the city looks looks very video gameish. It looks like it was rendered through a game engine. Uh, the art is just it's just. It's just incredible. And it looks futuristic. We've got the drones flying and stuff like that. So I'm curious about the time frame this takes place in, too. And, Kelly, I do I, I do agree that it looks like it's probably going to be uh, Luke Fox. Um, you know, but it's also possible that it doesn't take that place that far in the future. Maybe there's something that happens in something like the Joker War or something that would make you know, that would, that would drive, you know, make sense to have Luke uh, Fox take over, over the cowl. So we'll see. And it could just be a whole standalone story, but either way, I think it's just going to be incredible. Um, said it before, I'll say it again. There is nothing 
in comics quite like a well-told Batman story, and uh, I'm I'm very excited for this. This is going to be one of the things I'm looking forward to the most in January. I think so. I think we're getting this in January, so yeah, I uh, I think this is going to be this is going to be really good. And moving on, uh, we've gotten a preview of Batman Three Jokers number two so i don't know if you guys had a chance to read issue one or not but now we have a little taste of what's going to be happening in in issue two uh kelly what do you think of this i haven't gotten issue one yet although i'm supposed to pick it up tomorrow so i'm really excited to see that um this issue two looks gorgeous especially i love that uh the barbara gordon cover is I definitely going to end up on my wall at this point. That's the <laughs> that's how I kind of judge whether or not I, I like covers. If it's wall worthy, then it's a good cover, and that is just beautiful. Um, yeah, I've I've heard such good things about this series. I'm really excited to get started, and I'm glad that uh, the actually the comic book store in my area is open at this point, so I won't be too far behind. I can go get one and two and be caught up instead of I some of the series I'm trying to get into. I'm like five six books behind so yeah this this looks amazing i am really excited to see it seth what'd you think so amazing so painfully menacing i mean whether it's that cover uh whether it's that great panel which is just i mean i love the fact that when a writer sort of knows what you're expecting them to do and then they kind of deny you that thing you're expecting when you look at that that page that they've got and it's Joker pulling up to that house in that creepy sort of purple ice cream truck. And he walks past the mailbox, which if you're reading comics, if you're watching a movie, that's the moment that you give that clue to the viewer, right? You give that, this is where we are. This is whose house we're going to. And you don't get that sort of relief. You don't get that expectation. You're left with the mystery right until he opens up the door and that, you know, honey, I'm home sort of expression, which from the Joker just feels like the most dirty joke you've ever heard. Like sick, dirty, you know, take 10 showers and still not feel clean, scrub with steel wool. And yeah, I I love the the cover that you're talking about, Kelly. Um, I ended up getting two for this one. I picked it up uh, the other day at my local shop and I ended up getting the original and I ended up getting the, the Red Hood variant where he's pulling off the red helmet. And I thought, oh, I didn't realize I'd ordered two. I'm paying for both because, you know, it's just. And now I can sort of see myself making that same justification for the original as well as that Barbara cover. And Wallworthy, I'm building a wall right now. I've shared some images with a couple of folks. And Kelly, I'm with you. Like, totally Wallworthy. Honorary (laughs) spot, no less. Like, it might be up there for a long time. In fact, now I want to figure out how to shield it so like light and other factors can't affect it for being on the wall. But otherwise, yeah, just some really gorgeous preview. The story, it's doing something that at the end I know we're going to go. Did you – how do you feel about that? So now I ask you, Brad, how do you feel about this preview? <laughs> I totally agree about the wall-worthy-ness uh, of that um, Batgirl cover. With the the blood and that purple light that's shining on her like left side, it's just it's such a nice touch. So I think that's definitely going to be the cover that I uh, that I pick up. And 
Seth, that was good about the whole mailbox thing, and that's true. You, like it's it, it is menacing when he's home, and this art man is just so good. Um, it, it just it, and it's supposed to, I think, but it, I'm definitely getting hints of Killing Joke uh, in the art and the presentation. Uh, it seems like if there's anybody that can do Alan Moore justice in a follow-up story in comics it's jeff johns so because i i absolutely love doomsday clock and i'm loving three jokers so far so um even though it's not necessarily a direct sequel to killing joke i'm just i'm, I'm just loving i'm loving it so far so yeah this is just getting me once again even more excited so yeah yeah and moving on uh we also learned that Cami Garcia's new Titans young adult uh, graphic novel is going to be released in February, and it's going to be Beast Boy Loves Raven. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Oh, this sounds adorable. I am a big fan of Beast Boy and Raven uh, Raven as a, as a couple. They're just that, that perfect example of opposites attract. Um and it's I Cami Garcia's entire run with these characters has been absolutely amazing. Um and and the same for uh Gabriel Piccolo. It's also like just I the artwork is gorgeous. I am kind of obsessed with the way that he draws Teen Titans. It's so ordinary and and a little bit cartoonish, but it doesn't feel childlike. It feels like something that should be on, on I don't know, a dorm room poster, but in, in the best way. Um, yeah, this story sounds, it sounds cute. It sounds engaging. And I'm interested to see what it is that Slade Wilson can bring to either of these characters. Um, and, and what a way to meet, I guess, <laughs> looking for him and finding your significant other. That's if if it turns out that they're a couple, because at this point, I mean, it says Beast Boy loves Raven, but we don't know if it'll be the other way around as well. So I I will definitely pick this up. Seth, Kelly, so well said. I uh, I can count too many examples of one way affection, and usually it was me. And then you find out like the other person's like, no, no, I want that guy over there. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that that sucked. Uh, but one thing that has been a, a great story to enjoy is the way Garfield has been so infatuated with Raven in so many versions of Titans. And getting the chance to see this through Gabriel Piccolo's art and with Cami Garcia's great storytelling... I feel every time we talk about her, I feel so lucky for that chance we had to, you know, spend some time interviewing her and sort of get that 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 feeling from her that she's in this for the long haul, that they came at her with Raven and she came back with. Well, actually, I'd really just like to write books about all the Titans. Can we just do that? And what she's done with it since Raven was such a great work. I love what we're going to see from Gar and this story, just this title, you know, Uh, Beast Boy Loves Raven. It feels such like a Joni Loves Chachi sort of Love and Rockets uh, vibe to it. And I I like that feeling. And then, of course, you've got to heighten the tension in any romantic experience with, you know, a money-hungry mercenary assassin like Slade Wilson. And, yeah, 
finding true love while or finding some form of love, whatever it might be, not to just put true on this, but finding love while either seeking out or trying to learn more about a deadly assassin, that neither of things have ever happened to me. And I'm going to be 50 eventually. So like, yeah, I, I see this as being something I can live vicariously because I don't see that in my future. Like, it's just not the way it works. <laughs> and if it was, it would have happened already because, you know, I'm old and I'm married. Like, <laughs> all of those options are not possible. But I get to experience it through their eyes. And I also get to see another great story about Gar and Raven. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I I love Cammy's take on these characters, and Gabriel Piccolo is the absolute perfect perfect artist uh, for for these stories, and I'm so glad that he's stayed on as the artist as you know as she expands into the world of the Titans more and more. Um, and yeah, the story looks good. Um, certainly, bringing Slade Wilson into it is gonna kind of up the ante because he's such a dangerous person can't be trapped in an amulet you know he's kind of got to be fought on the street so that that's going to be that's going to be a challenge for them but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to this as well and i I hope that maybe she can sneak in some of the other characters or give hints about what's coming next uh for these books because they have been such a such a joy to read so yeah I'm, i'm excited and uh, moving on to some other news, uh, and Seth, this is something that we didn't get a chance to really talk that much about in our um, fandom uh, coverage that we did last week. But this uh, is the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League trailer and revealed by Rocksteady. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? I'm not a video game person, but both um, both this and... Oh, God, I forgot the, the name of the other game and they introduced. Gotham, Gotham Knights? Yes, yep, and Gotham Knights have made me want to play these games. Um, I The the trailer for this one was hilarious, uh, and, and it looks gorgeous. It looks better than some movies look, honestly. I want to say that I will play it. I can't guarantee that I will, but I will absolutely be hungry for information from anyone who does. And who knows, maybe I will. It's It's... It's a hobby that I guess I have time for, but <laughs> we'll see. In any case, this looks awesome and very, very funny. Um, I I also agree with the sentiment as, you know, they, they watch Superman sort of, well, disintegrate a person. That horror that, oh, this is who we're up against. I, <laughs> I mean, best of luck to them and best of luck to everybody playing. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, it doesn't look good for our villains because our heroes <laughs> are doing so much damage. And what a great intro with that just sort of, you know, there's Harley, bored, Boomerang, King Shark sitting around doing things like popping Batman balloons, which is just, you know, I mean. And I love that right before we see all that, there's a chopper and some guys trying to hop on it and they miss. And you just see them like fall to the ground like, ah, and I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, well, this is just already ridiculously silly. Now you can see Batman or Batman, Superman, clearly not himself and the team aware of the fact that this is about to get ugly. But, man, the 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 image 
one so clear kelly as you pointed out of this all the characters in the game the the story but that that huge brainiac ship in the background and just that sense of just absolute chaos i don't have this gaming system i don't have anything current in a long time i think the last time i had something was like a ps2 and maybe that was like oh three and yeah it wasn't even really mine i just shared it (laughs) but this could be the straw like between this between arkham between the possibility that great games like this are in the future my goodness yeah brad and i love the fact that we get a chance to talk about it because we didn't get a chance to talk about it when we were doing our you know follow-up last week and i get to hear your thoughts because of us all you are my friend you know a gamer what's your thoughts yeah i absolutely cannot wait because first of all i love the arkham games i love what rocksteady did with those games and um i I just can't wait and what i was happy to hear them say was that you can play as different characters you don't have or you can play single player because me i like single player games you know Seth, like you were saying, I'm old, <laughs> so I don't want to have to play a game with a bunch of uh, racist teenagers. You know, I, I just want to go in. I want to have a good story. I want to play the game. And I'm thankful because when they announced that you could play, you know, like there's going to be all the characters that you can play as. Um, I, I, I was just happy that it wasn't going to have to be. Well, you have to be one and then you have to connect with four other people to play to be these characters. So I love that it's that it can still be played single player. And and I think I mentioned this before, but um, I love the fact that it's in Metropolis because all of the Arkham games obviously took place in Gotham and Gotham had its own feel. And having Metropolis, it's a whole new environment and it's brighter and that's more fitting with the over the topness of Suicide Squad. So I am super excited. I think that the two trailers from fandom that I have rewatched the most are the batman trailer and this trailer i i like the banter but i gotta say king shark opened his mouth i'm like that's not my king shark is it you know i was thinking about the harley <laughs> Quinn king shark, like, oh, man, no, it's not the same that show has ruined king shark for me in a good way <laughs> but um yeah i i am super super excited um I this and this is a game that I will probably buy the day it comes out and start playing um, just because I I've done that with the other Arkham games. And this is just yeah, I just I just can't wait. Uh, And and switching to Gotham Knights for a second. um, uh, Warner Brothers Montreal, they made one of the Arkham games. So it's kind of cool to see them return to that kind of Arkham universe, too, with, with Gotham Knights and that that looks just as good and they showed the gameplay trailer and it looks like some of the mechanics are the same as what you got in the arkham game so that's going to be fun for players to be able to revisit that because with the suicide suicide squad game it's hard to tell because we didn't see any footage so i think that that gaming fans are going to be uh excited for both uh, but it looks like we're going to have to wait until 2022 for suicide, for the Suicide Squad game. So it'll be a while, but uh, it, it should be worth the wait. 
And that uh, does wrap up another episode of DC Comics News. But before we go, guys, I just want to see if you had any last thoughts about fandom, anything that we didn't talk about that, that you wanted to mention. Uh, so, so any final thoughts on fandom? Kelly? I think the one announcement that I don't think I've talked about yet, uh, the milestone comeback, I am really pumped about that. I I thought maybe it got kind of pushed under the rug because we heard about it a few years ago, but the fact that it's happening, oh, thank God. <laughs> Seth? Milestone's huge for me. I I remember I remember getting those books when they came out and I remember like there was some fun because I got hardware number one and it came with a playing card and then I was reading the book and at the end the letter 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 from the editor was like oh you know that playing card don't save it don't do that put it in your you know like bicycle tire and let it hit the spokes I love that sound isn't it awesome like there was so much enthusiasm that it was really difficult to see it go. And Kelly, as you mentioned, there was that that possibility that popped up and disappeared. So the fact that it's coming back now, and I can only imagine what it's going to be like to see some of the most amazing artists that we've had the chance to experience recently put their pencils and inks and pens to these characters and put them back on the page for us. That's, that's a huge one. Uh, anything else left over from fandom? Um, man... The Flash, it, it really, it impressed me. Uh, the fact that we got a chance to see so much taken from the screenwriter's perspective, and it sounds like she really nailed it early on with the story and then proceeded to work on the revisions that they wanted to tighten up parts. Um, those were huge for me. Um, we already kind of went over the Batman enough that I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, and then I think really just the fact that I really struggled with stepping away i knew i had work to do and dogs to feed and stuff like that but i'm okay with the fact that they broke it up into more than one day because if it had been 24 hours things around my house would have fallen apart like by the time it was over i would have had angry dogs and angry wife and angry mother-in-law all sorts of trouble at my house and bless you dc for breaking it up a little bit because now i only you know i can figure out eight to ten hours i can make things work maybe with some advanced preparation but um overall such a great takeaway like i really want to see this happen again i want to see it succeed uh, i'm excited for more how about you brett yeah milestone is huge because it, it, if there was ever a time when we would need something like milestone now is that time so it's so great to have it back and the talent there is amazing and i love the idea that they are not just thinking in terms of comics they're thinking in terms of movie and tv and that's such a great opportunity and as a fan for me i i was it came out a little after my time so it came out in in one of those waves where i wasn't collecting so i kind of missed it the first time so being able to be there for the second launch is going to be going to be great and it's going to make me want to like go back and, and rediscover some of those older issues because i've read some here and there but haven't really uh dug as deep as i, I could i mean as i could have because you know it's just you can't read everything you know so this is going to definitely be an inspiration to go back and rediscover those stories again and uh you know to watch the static shock series while it's still on dc universe things like that so uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited about 
milestone coming back. Uh, and, you know, overall, I, I, I'm also glad that it wasn't 24 hours. I don't know what I would have done because I would have had to pick and choose. And it was so nice to be able to just sit there and not miss anything. And that's something that a virtual con can offer you that a real physical con cannot. Because, you know, even if you can't want, you know, even though we were lucky with fandom, we could get it all in in one day. But you could still go back to YouTube on some of these and, and watch everything. But it was just so nice to have everything right there where you can watch it. And I'm looking forward to this next part coming up in a few weeks. I, I just think that they really knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, and it helps that everything that was revealed and all the trailers were amazing. Uh, it's just it's a it's a great time to be a, a DC fan. That's basically what it comes down to. So, and with that, we'll wrap up uh, this episode of DC Comics News. But before we go, we'd like to let people know where they can find us. Uh, Kelly, where can people find you? Um, you can find me doing opinion editorial pieces for DC Comics News and also on our other podcast, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And you can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Wright. What about you, Seth? Yeah, you can find me at DC Comics News writing reviews here with the gang on the weekly podcast on most weeks with Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. You can catch me hosting the Spinner Rack and you can find me online either as Seth Singleton Storyteller or Storytelling with Seth. Pick one. Let me know which one you find. Send me a story. And if I can just also say, Brad, thanks for that really lovely tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I... Really thank you for, for adding that in. Marvel or DC, the guy portrayed a hero that was perfectly timed and made such an amazing impact. And along the way was being a silent hero that, man, if I have half that strength in my life, I'll die a proud man. So appreciate you bringing that up, man, and just uh, wanted to toss that in there. How about you, Brad? Where can the good people find you? Because you got opinions they need to hear. Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at DC Comics News. You can find me on the uh, Mad Love podcast here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Uh, and as far as DC Comics News, we're now on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. So head over and subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, tell us what you think. And you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube at DC Comics News. So be sure to check out Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, I Am the Knight, and the Spinner Rack right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And we like to end episodes by saying a phrase that everyone should do, and that is to read more comics. Have a good week, everybody.